Good morning, and welcome to Monday Mornings. With Maddie and Morgan. I'm Maddie. And I'm Morgan. Hello. Hello. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. There's a lot going on today. I know. (laughs) It's it's the true Super Bowl because Euphoria also comes out tonight. And... If anybody who's listening watches Euphoria, you know that this is the Euphoria Super Bowl because there's probably going to be a massive cat fight and it's going to get violent. So, Ooh. <laughs> I haven't seen Euphoria, but I think I would like it. It's it's stressful. Oh god. It's very stressful. <laughs> We've been watching Yellowstone. Ooh, I watched the first episode last night. We love it. It gets better. <laughs> I liked the first episode. It was very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I it's just... uh, violent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it looks like it will. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to, I think I put on Superstore after. because I love Superstore. I wish there was more seasons of it. I just started watching it. Oh, um, you're going to love it. It's so funny. It's so good. It's yeah. so funny. I like actually laugh out loud at mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's so cute. Mostly, we've been watching the Olympics. Oh yes, I do. What we watch that in like the evening, like around dinner time, mm-hmm. usually like weekdays and stuff. But yes. I always forget about it. I watched the biathlon yesterday, though. Nice. That's one of my favorite things to watch. Same. I watched curling yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> just teams of dads. <laughs> oh, so good, so good, amazing. Anywho, what are we talking about today? Well, this week I decided to go a different spooky route. Um, I decided to go with a sexually transmitted infection or STI. Ooh, mixing it up. <laughs> yeah. So, um. <laughs> Syphilis has a pretty tumultuous history, so for this Valentine's Day venereal disease episode, we are going (laughs) to be talking about syphilis and the Tuxiki experiment, or syphilis study. I forgot about that. Yeah, so this is going to end up being a two-parter because um, I want to do more reading before fully explaining this syphilis experiment as it was extremely fucked up and I want to be respectful and correct as possible. So without further ado, here is a little spooky sex ed with Maddie. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Woo-woo! So what is syphilis? Um, so because I'm a huge nerd, I actually own a textbook about these things. Um, (laughs) I love that. So I have this, uh, textbook, essentially it is called Our Bodies, Ourselves. It is basically a book for women or people with, uh, uteruses explaining anything that goes on with the female body and, I they had some good information on syphilis. So I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah, I think Maggie had a copy when we were living together. Mm. Um 
it's very interesting. They have so many things in there. I don't know how much money it cost because it was a gift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very interesting. Neat. So they write that syphilis is caused by the bacterium Treponome pallidium. Syphilis is an STI that is transmitted through direct contact with a syphilis sore. The sores are commonly located on external genitals or inside the vagina, anus, or rectum. They can also pop up on a person's lips or in their mouth. Um, yeah. These sores are usually not painful, so depending on the location, they can go completely unnoticed, leading to untreated syphilis. That's so scary. Yeah, so because they're so hard to spot, it's very important to get tested frequently and use protection regularly. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> but they also, um, in the Tuskegee syphilis experiment that we'll be talking about next week, they do focus on males in that study, mostly because their genitals are very external and right. um, they see them multiple times a day, like every time they go to the bathroom. So <laughs> they're more likely to notice a little like uh, sore polyp or something weird going on. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, syphilis is most commonly transferred from one person to another through unprotected sexual intercourse. Again, use protection. These sores can also open up easily, which is gross, but also puts an individual at a greater risk of transmitting or getting HIV, which is not ideal. Oh, no. Yeah. Because that's like, tends to be how HIV is transmitted isn't just like through contact it's usually like there's a cut and it gets into the bloodstream interesting yeah syphilis can also be passed from mother to infant during pregnancy most states in the u.s require prenatal sti screenings this is super important because you can treat syphilis while someone is pregnant and protect the baby but if it isn't caught early enough, the mother can still be treated, but the potential damage to the baby cannot be reversed. Wow. Yeah. So untreated pregnant people who give birth may have babies that are stillborn or have physical abnormalities. Um, not all infected babies will show signs or symptoms of an infection. And if left untreated, these babies may experience developmental delays, seizures, and potentially death. And syphilis that is passed from parent to child is called congenital syphilis. So, not great. Not yeah. ideal. No, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk more about it later, but I just realized that I uh, forgot to add those pieces to my notes. So maybe we'll talk about it in next week's episode. But um, it's mostly just about, like, the different um, developmental delays and different physical issues that some of these kids can be born with. But that's mostly just gotcha. really depressing. So <laughs> Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> so it's probably best that I left it out. Yeah. 
according to Wikipedia, in little history of syphilis, it was first called Grand Velo, or Great Pox, by the French. Other historical names have included Button Scurvy, <laughs> Sibbins, Fringa, and Daichua, among others. Wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. Since it they always was come a- up with the most creative names for diseases. Like, oh, like yeah. historical names. <laughs> They're always the funniest thing, too. And then you, like, look at what, like, the word broken down actually means. And it's just, like, gross hand disease or something. Yeah. I always think of consumption for tuberculosis. That's, like, yep. the go-to. <laughs> It's just like, what? Okay, weird. (laughs) Like a demon consuming (laughs) you. Since it was a disgraceful disease, the disease was known in several countries by the name of their neighboring country. (laughs) Yeah. So they went through and kind of just like named, like before it was syphilis, they would just call it something else. So the English, Germans, and Italians called it the French disease. (laughs) While the French referred to it as the Neapolitan disease, the Dutch called it Spanish pox during the Dutch revolt. (laughs) To Turks, it was known as the Christian disease. (laughs) And in India, the Hindus and Muslims named the disease after each other. Oh my god, that is so funny. So petty. (laughs) I know. So I also listened to the you're wrong about episode about the Tuskegee syphilis oh, study. Oh Yes. I have listened to that episode. They did a really good job about it. Um, and they, they were talking about all the different places that named it after each other. And it was just <laughs> so funny. Cause it's so true. It, like, especially even more recently, you can see it with like the Spanish flu like it wasn't it didn't originate in Spain we were just currently at a war with Spain (laughs) (laughs) funny how that works (laughs) Mm -hmm. if syphilis is left untreated the infection will go through three stages a primary a secondary and a tertiary phase most of the time it never gets to the tertiary stage of syphilis but we will talk about that since it is the most interesting symptom-wise. Sounds good. Primary syphilis is usually characterized by the sore or polyp that I mentioned before. About two to six weeks after coming into contact with syphilis, a sore might appear, not always. The sore is the affected bacterium entering the body. The sore will heal and clear up, but the individual is still infected. The sore is also actively infectious, meaning the individual with the sore can easily spread the infection to others. If primary syphilis is left untreated, it will typically turn into secondary syphilis in about two to eight weeks after the sore pops up. That feels like a big range. (laughs) Oh, everything in this is big ranges. One of them is one to, like, 46 years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, syphilis is something that you can live with for, like, 40 years before having complications. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Yeah. 
Um, one of my favorite SVU episodes is about a guy with late stage like neurosyphilis. That's it's wild. crazy. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> so in primary syphilis, the bacteria is mostly contained to the area with the sore, but in secondary syphilis, the bacteria have entered the bloodstream. Secondary syphilis typically presents itself as a rash. This rash is rough and a pink or reddish brown color. It is most commonly found on the palms of the hands and bottoms of the feet, but can extend to the trunk and extremities, which such a weird place for the rash to happen is like palms of your hand, bottom of your feet. Yeah. And isn't there other stuff that can be palms of your hands, bottom of your feet too? Like yeah. Like hand, foot, and mouth and stuff yeah. like that. Hand, foot, and mouth disease or like whatever that one but that's wicked painful right for your hands foot foots feet and mouth (laughs) this one is not painful which is interesting plus I feel like rashes are such a hard symptom because so many things can cause a rash like an allergic reaction or a light, a slight irritant to your skin literally anything a bit of lime juice on your skin going in the sun yep that's a whole specific type of rash. Yeah. Health services at UNH tried to convince me that that was what I had one time. And I was like, ma'am, it's the dead of winter. I don't like lime and I've been inside. Right. <laughs> she was like literally convinced that I was drinking a margarita on the beach or some shit. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways. Lesions on mucous membranes are also a potential sign, as well as fever, swollen lymph glands, sore throat, patchy hair loss, headaches, weight loss, muscle aches, and fatigue. Yikes. Yeah. The lesions are, like the sores, in the primary stage, actively infectious at this time. Rarely, the second stage can include liver inflammation, kidney disease, joint inflammation, optic nerve inflammation, and connective tissue inflammation. As a general statement, the most common symptom of an STI is no symptoms at all, so please just keep that in mind. (laughs) So scary. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, these things are very, very rare, but they do talk a lot about optic nerve and, like, visual impairments that come along with, like, late, late stage. Wow. Syphilis. Yeah. Very interesting. Very. So, who is at the highest risk for syphilis? It is recommended that screening be done for all pregnant women and anyone who is at an increased risk for contracting the infection. The increased risk factors include, quote, sex workers, people who exchange sex for drugs, people diagnosed with HIV, carriers of other STIs, and those who have had contacts with someone with active syphilis, end quote. It is also recommended that people living in communities with high rates of syphilis be screened regularly as well. Syphilis can be diagnosed from physical and blood evaluations and typically needs a second test to confirm the syphilis infection before treatment. Um, Also, we haven't talked about tertiary uh, stage yet, but in that late stage, the only way to diagnose it because it's no longer actively in your blood blood serum 
it's only in your cerebral spinal fluid, so you have to get a spinal tap to get late stage syphilis tested. Oh my god. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yikes. Not ideal. (laughs) So how is syphilis treated? Well, we can thank Alexander Fleming for leaving some Petri dishes out while on vacation because these plates ended up growing (laughs) penicillin, which later, down the line, would be discovered as an extremely effective treatment for syphilis. Yay, antibiotics. Yay, science. Yay. Boo, using them for sore ankles and headaches right when penicillin came out on the market. True. (laughs) (laughs) So... Luckily for anyone that does get syphilis, while in the early stages, it is pretty typically easy to treat. So typically a single shot of penicillin or another antibiotic for anyone who's allergic um, to your bum and you are all set. But this is only if you've been infected for syphilis, with syphilis for less than a year. If you have had, if the individual has had syphilis for over a year, then they may need a second or more shots down the line in the future. Um, It's also very important that anyone infected with syphilis abstain from sexual contact until all syphilis sores or rashes have cleared up or they receive a negative test result. So don't go spreading this because it sucks. It is easy to treat if you can get it treated within the first like two, three years. If it didn't like if you don't get any of those terribly crazy weird symptoms or anything, then like you'll be fine. But again, it's really great for everybody to just get STI screened whenever. I know there's certain populations that most doctors will screen more regularly. Um, LGBTQ population probably gets tested more regularly. Populations that come into contact with drugs and needles more regularly definitely get tested more frequently (laughs) but so as I mentioned earlier there are three stages of syphilis and the tertiary stage is what happens when syphilis is left untreated for an extended period of time along with tertiary syphilis there is also latent and congenital syphilis latent syphilis is when a person tests positive for having syphilis in their blood serum but has no symptoms of infection. This is broken down into early and latent syphilis, early latent and late latent syphilis. <laughs> late latent. Yeah, I was typing this like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> early latent is defined by the WHO as latent syphilis within two years of the original infection. Late latent is after those first two years of initial infection. This phase of latency is considered less infectious than the early phase, and in about 15 to 40% of latent cases, the infected individual (laughs) will develop tertiary syphilis. Another wide range. I know. I'm like, I think it's because it's been around for so long and so many people have gotten it that it's kind of just like... Okay, and so many people react differently to it, and so many people can't get over it on their own. It's very weird. So about 2 to 15 years after the initial infection, 
again, big range. <laughs> Untreated syphilis can develop into tertiary syphilis. There are three different forms of tertiary syphilis that we are going to talk about. The three types include gomatous syphilis, late neurosyphilis, and cardiovascular syphilis. If left untreated, one-third of syphilis patients will develop tertiary syphilis, but, there are, but they are no longer infectious. So when you're in this third stage of syphilis, you can't give it to anybody else at that point. Or, like, you're very, very, very unlikely to give it to somebody else at that point. Gotcha. So, gomatous syphilis can happen on average around 15 years after the initial infection, but can occur anywhere between 1 and 46 years after. Oh, my God. <laughs> So also why it's important to screen regularly and get tested early is that it can't, like, tertiary syphilis can develop within a year. So, not to scare people, but. (laughs) This stage of syphilis can be characterized by the formation of large uh, gomas. Gomas or gomas are these small non-cancerous tumors essentially or cysts kind of uh, caused by inflammation and that was according to wikipedia they vary in size so they typically are smaller but they can be a lot bigger and they tend to affect skin bone liver and other areas typically the skin ones aren't very painful but Bone gomas have been described as causing a deep, boring pain that is worse at night. God. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Nope. So cardiovascular syphilis um, is also one of the reasons why this is two parts, because I spent a very long time trying to understand the cardiovascular system yet again, and I promise you I will never understand it no matter how (laughs) many times I try. (laughs) There's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> so many moving parts, so many things. Ugh. But so cardiovascular syphilis tends to happen 10 to 30 years after the initial infection. So for this section, as I said, I had to <laughs> skip over some information because cardiovascular system confuses me so, so much. And reading scientific articles on this was giving me a headache. So here is the Wikipedia explanation of the most common complication of cardiovascular syphilis, syphilitic aortitis. Words. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, syphilitic aortitis is inflammation of the aorta associated with the tertiary stage of syphilis infection. SA begins as inflammation of the outermost layer of the blood vessel, including the blood vessels that supply the aorta itself with blood, the vasa vasorium. As SA worsens, the vasa vasorium undergo hyperplastic thickening of their walls, thereby restricting blood flow and causing ischemia of the outer two-thirds of the aortic wall, starved for oxygen and nutrient, elastic fibers become patchy and smooth muscle cells dies. If the D's if the disease progresses, syphilitic aortitis 
leads to an aortic aneurysm. Overall, tertiary syphilis is a rare cause of aortic aneurysms. Syphilitic aortitis has become rare in the developed world with the advancement of penicillin treatments after World War II. Wowza. Yeah. So it's really not good. It's not one of the main causes of aneurysms in people, but it is apparently a potential outcome of syphilis, which doesn't sound great, but it also sounds like it's not super common since since um, penicillin treatments have been mm-hmm. more common. The final type of tertiary syphilis has to be the most interesting to me. So neurosyphilis is a central nervous system infection and can happen during any stage of syphilis. According to the CDC, early neurologic clinical manifestations or syphilitic meningitis are usually present in the first few months or years after initial infection. These early clinical manifestations include cranial nerve dysfunction, meningitis, meningovascular syphilis, stroke, and acute altered mental status. The late stage neurologic manifestations are called Tabes dorsalis and general paresis. They begin about 10 to 30 or more years after initial infection. So now I'm just going to give you the uh, (laughs) Wikipedia definitions of both of those things. And we're going to be all set for our setup for the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Great. Yeah. All right, so Tabes dorsalis sign and symptoms from Wikipedia are, quote, signs and symptoms may not appear for decades after the initial infection and include weakness, diminished reflexes, paresthesia, which is a shooting and burning pains, pricking sensations. It's kind of just like awful. Um, it sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, none of this sounds great, but... Yeah. (laughs) Hypoesthesias, which is abnormally diminished sense of touch. Tibetic gait or locomotor ataxia, which means basically, like, you... Like, neurologically, you can't walk normally anymore. Like, you can't control your walking. Like, your limbs kind of just, like, flail as you try to walk. Yikes. Progressive degeneration of the joints, which is just not good. Loss of coordination, episodes of intense pain and disturbed sensations. Oh, my God. Personality changes, urinary incontinence, dementia, deafness, visual impairments, um, and impaired responses to light. This skeletal musculature The skeletal musculature is hypotonic due to destruction of the sensory limb of the spindle reflex. I'm sorry, Wikipedia, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's also diminished reflexes or um, absence. So, like, the knee jerk when you, like, hit your patella underneath Mm -hmm. that, like, won't happen anymore. Um, And a complication of Tabes dorsalis can be transient neurological 
paroxysmal pain affecting the eyes and ophthalmic areas. Again, there's more like weird eye pain, like tearing up caused in the eyes and light sensitivity. Like so much weird eye stuff going on. Eye pain is the worst kind of pain. It's scary too, because I have not great vision, but I can see with glasses and contacts and any time like something happens like even just like standing up quickly and like not seeing for a second like when everything goes black that's mm-hmm. like slightly terrifying because I would be oh, so yeah. afraid to be blind. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't trust anybody to tell me where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. <laughs> general paresis which is also known as general paralysis of the insane. GPI or paralytic dementia. None of that sounds ideal. So, (laughs) according to Wikipedia, this is a severe neuropsychiatric disorder classified as an organic mental disorder and caused by chronic meningoencephalitis. So, chronic inflammation of around like the stuff around your brain basically and then you're you're yeah you know what i'm talking about that (laughs) leads to cerebral atrophy in late stage syphilis degenerative changes are associated primarily with the frontal and temporal lobar cortex the disease affects approximately seven percent of infected individuals and it is more common among men and the wiki signs and symptoms for this are, quote, symptoms of the disease first appear from 10 to 30 years after infection. Incipitant GPI is usually manifested by neurosthenetic difficulties, such as fatigue, heartache, headaches, not heartache. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you really emotional. (laughs) So fatigue, headaches, insomnia, dizziness, etc., As the disease progresses, mental deterioration and personality changes occur. Typical symptoms include loss of social inhibitions, asocial behavior, gradual impairment of judgment, concentration and short-term memory, euphoria, mania, depression or apathy, subtle shivering, minor minor defects in speech, and Argyle Robertson's Robertson's pupil what may become noticeable, which is just a weird like light reaction with your pupils. Delusions common as the illness progresses tend to be poorly systemized and absurd. They can be grandiose, melancholic, or paranoid. These delusions include ideas of great wealth, immortality, thousands of lovers, unfathomable power, apocalypse, nihilism, self-guilt, oh my god, self-blame, or bizarre hypochondrial complaints. Later, the patient's experiences dysotheria and tension tremors which is like your um no wait no that's the monoclinic jerks which is like your like knee jerks like when you're just like sitting your like leg twitches <laughs> intention tremors hyperreflexia, confusion seizures and severe muscular deterioration end quote and Crazy. that is all my shit but also that last one is there's an episode of svu where this guy goes around like 
sacrificing people and saying that he's like an angel and he thinks he's killing like these people for certain reasons. Like he's very, very delusional and they end up finding out that he has like late, late neurosyphilis and he had like a wife and two daughters and there's like this whole thing. And it's like the wife and daughters have to go get tested and all this stuff. It was like a syphilis PSA essentially, but also like most people syphilis doesn't get to that stage. So, but yeah, that's wild. Thank you. I feel very informed. I'm excited for our next episode. Yeah, I am very excited to tell you all of the shitty things that we did to people here. And uh, also in, I think it's Guatemala, there's a little brief bit that I'm going to tell you about there because uh it's really great um i'm also currently reading medical apartheid the dark history of medical experimentation on black americans from colonial times to present because just as a heads up and trigger warning the tuskegee syphilis study or experiment as i like to call it is a study of late stage and latent syphilis in black men in a specific area of America and the whole study is essentially just watching them have it and never giving them treatment for it. So yeah. So, uh, so messed up. mm Mm-hmm. I had homework on it in college. (laughs) Not fun, not a good thing to do, but it is very, very important to talk about because can't just gloss over these pieces of history and genuinely this came with absolutely zero scientific phenomena coming out of it like it wasn't even like they came out with information that was useful in these studies they literally just watched men die basically (laughs) like there's nothing useful to come out of this that's so fucked up yeah not ideal Well, I hope you all enjoy the Super Bowl. You probably, I mean, at this point, when you're listening, it's over. You already know who won. But um, I always love an underdog, so got to root for the Bengals on this one. I'm honestly solely rooting for the Bengals because my high school chemistry teacher was a huge Bengals fan. And she, I remember one time she was like, I hate living here. Like, my team never wins. And you guys, like, always are winning. And I hate you. (laughs) Not like that, but, you know. But it was cute. And she was one of my. Yeah, the Bengals have had such a long streak of never winning. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Our cats are rooting for the Bengals because they're cats. So. Yes. Just saying. They're cousins. (laughs) But anywho, as always, stay tuned next Sunday and every Monday for new episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're currently listening. We're on Instagram at Monday Mornings Pod and on Twitter at Monday Mornings P. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to have covered in a future episode, you can DM us on either of those platforms. And you can also email us at Monday Mornings Pod at gmail.com. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Start your Monday mornings the right way with Maddie and Morgan. Bye. Bye-bye.